Designing any sort of game can be a wild ride. Expanding that to make sure most people feel like they can join into your project can be even more difficult. This week, I'm joined by Jonathan, lead designer of Arkelon Chronicles, to talk about working in a second language, making your project more accessible, and measures taken to include a more diverse cast of cultures from around the world. Welcome to Scheduled for Launch, a podcast to discover projects you may have missed. My name's Zach, and I am very excited to be reattempting to do this interview with Jonathan from Arkland Chronicles and uh, Wendigo Workshop. Jonathan, thank you so much for being uh, so understanding and uh, deciding to come back on here. Uh, really, no problem. Uh, technology does this thing, so it just I think that happens. <laughs> so uh before we really get into what Arkelon Chronicles is and everything that you and your team have been working on, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um so I have a degree in uh video game design and also in theater. Um I've been working with Gearbox software for like two years and before that I worked for Binox, uh like a uh, branch of Activision. Um and I've been developing like tabletop games and doing some D D and Pathfinder work for like ten years or something. That's a lot longer than I expected actually, because uh from what I'm aware, Arkland Chronicles has been in development for about six years, correct? Yeah, around six years. Um, more seriously, from for like maybe four, uh, but it started six years ago. Yeah. So, what exactly is Archelon Chronicles? So, um, Archelon Chronicles is a, well, a tabletop role playing games that is um, set in a world where magic and technology is living together. Um, it's it's a world where we try to um, integrate technology and spirituality together, but we also try to give a lot of freedoms, uh, a lot of freedom to people to create a character they want, and also uh, have them live the adventure they want to, uh, because it's a very advanced world. You can basically do whatever you want in it. Yeah, and I I've gotten a chance to look at the play test and that's been incredibly cool. I I love I love everything about this game so far actually. Um unfortunately I had to postpone that that little trial that I was going to be doing, but my friends and I are still talking about it. Um you have a very very cool system that it seems like there's some really interesting rules that keep it both uh well defined and tricky for advanced players but also simple enough that a newer player can come in pick up and learn within the first session or two yeah we um we try to develop the the rules of the game uh, for newer people to be able to 
like easily understand them but also give players that are more advanced and are more used to role-playing games just have their own little set of rules that they can play with uh, optional rules uh, of like permanent injuries and stuff like that where people that are more advanced and really want to delve in this more complicated rules can just get in and use them yeah i i think that that's that's a really good way to go about it too um so you mentioned a little bit about your team that's uh wendigo workshop correct yes exactly so can you tell me a little bit about how you and the team met and how you all kind of got together and started working on Archelon Chronicles? Yeah, we we are a team that met like um, something 10 years-ish ago playing Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition. And then we switched to Pathfinder because it was better. <laughs> <laughs> But we've been we've been on each other for a while, and we met in like Cegep. It's something in Quebec that is similar to college, but it's not really college. And we just started from there. We started meddling with some like custom classes for Fourth Edition when we were playing that, and then with Pathfinder. And we just started to work together and say, oh yeah, we could create a game. I mean, we developed so much custom content that maybe we could just instead of creating things for games that already exist, maybe we could create our own. I'm guessing a lot of your development came from video game background, correct? Yes, exactly. So how did you transfer the rules from game design into these really interesting rules for tabletop? Is it very different or is it pretty similar? I think there's a part of it that is quite similar because Playing is, is always an experience, like you sit somewhere, either in front of a TV or on a table, and you, you play something, you experience something. So what's different between the tabletop world and the game, like video game world, is mostly because tabletop games is really customized, like from, from the perspective of a player, when you, when you play video games, yes, there are some liberties for the player, but it never is like the game will never react to what you do so or at least not in the same way that a game master will um so it's really like some kind of adapting like okay we want a mechanic that gives a feeling of something so how can we translate that to a game where there's no code or there's nothing to really control so i think that's basically the the biggest like challenge of creating a tabletop role-playing game is just how do we adapt rules for something that is not that is not already written or there's no script or there's nothing that will say oh yeah if you do this this will happen like it's it's always random so we try to to create something that plays around yes it's random but there's also some kind of uh, of guide for for players so it's more like building a guide and a skeleton than it is designing a, a full game, right? Yeah, we we have like our own settings and we are we have the rules for like combat and out of combat which are not in the playtest because they were not really perfect at the time. So like everything for social encounters and how to deal with that is not exactly implement implemented yet. But um we really try to create a system that 
you can there are some rules there are ground rules that dictates like okay when you get attacked you do this or when you you use that spell it does that but we still try to keep it quite open so people can really um play with what their character can do so it's not just okay so you do uh, for example like i don't know uh, you you climb that mountain but what if you can climb on creatures or what what if you can just use that kill to do something cool or or different that what climbing can can just do at its core okay yeah i get that that's i i really like that that philosophy there um one thing that i really wanted to talk to you about and it was something that kind of really sparked our first conversation over twitter was that you and wendigo workshop have this very very strong and open mention of having diversity and inclusion and they're two hugely important factors for you and the folks you work with how has this developed some of the the choices that you've made when it's coming up with archelon chronicles well we are a team of people that are pretty uh diverse at its core uh, we have a lot of people that has um that are neurodivergent so we really try to create rules that uh when these uh when people with well, people that are neurodivergent don't, don't really understand some kind of parts. We really just try to change the rule to say, okay, so this is how we can explain it so so people that are different can understand it. Or uh, we have people with ADHD, so how can we create a game that even these, uh, these people that have problem focusing can still focus on the game? Or we really try to include, like, people and really play around with the rules so like people that i'm so sorry for that <laughs> oh that's okay it happens <laughs> um but uh yeah we really tried to play um with the rules so people that are different or people that have some issues uh can't just understand the rules as they are or give some tips for dm that deals with people that have more difficulties uh, that they can explain to them the rules in a way that they can understand them. I think that is so hugely important, especially with uh, the growing divergence of tabletop role-playing games. I mean, 2020 itself was uh, a huge increase for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and that just, that really tells you that there's, there's growth in, in the tabletop role-playing game community. So, that that's 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 amazing i i love that you are taking with talking with your team and designing something that people can really approach this game with i don't see that enough with up-and-coming tabletop games yeah i mean uh, we also have like um a history major in the group so when we design like races or stuff like that we also try to like refer to it a lot so when uh, so when we design something, we try to just say, okay, so we want to design, like for example, a, a race that uses, um, I don't know, I'm trying to, to find something that is stupid, but it's it going to explain my point. But if you like, I want to create a race that uses uh, inspiration from, I don't know, uh, the English people. So I just say, okay, so what can we use from these people that are not offensive or are not like tropes that could be interpreted in a way 
that uh, people will just say, oh, yeah, but that's racist. <laughs> so, yeah, you were you were mentioning using a history major to uh, make sure that you weren't accidentally appropriating anything. One of the uh, one of the races that comes to mind, I can't quite remember the exact name for it, but it uses um, a lot of color. It's uh, it looks like it's a uh, a female crow woman and it you can very tell that there is some Hindu flair in it because of the colors and the fabric that she's wearing. And uh, I found that, I mean, not much that I can say because I'm, I'm a white dude, but I found that it was like a really respectful, proper way to go about giving a nod to that community. Um, but I, I absolutely love that piece of art. We try to, uh, especially with the Hindu culture, because they are especially like conservative of their of their stuff so uh we really try to go in a direction that like you can feel that it it has some inspiration like either visually or like um or like color wise and stuff like that but we really try to not go into the like oh yeah that is very inspired but like especially shiva or something really really religious into the hindu culture so we want to give nods to cultures that are usually a little bit left out when we uh, when we look at some designs either video games or tabletop games but we also want to use these inspiration like as they are inspirations so we don't want to say oh yeah that is that is an hindu person and it's ex exactly what they would wear like, we just it's just like we think it's it's an imaginary world but we still want to stay respectful in what we depict because it's something that is important to like show some culture that may be a little bit left behind but also not appropriate these and just say oh yeah we base that character on x deity and it's exactly the same costume and the exact same things um so we start to steer away from these kinds of like stereotypes and stuff like that and you can actually see that through the the name of the company you guys started wendigo workshop do you want to talk a little bit about about that yeah um well since we are a small company from Quebec. Um, we have a lot of First Nation people here uh, and in, in Canada overall. But um, the, the thing about Quebec is that uh, a lot of the First Nation legends are also a lot, uh, are integrated a lot into the um, the folklore from here because when people arrived here, the first thing they heard and the first thing they saw were the the indigenous people that were here so like a lot of the legends that are from there either it's the wendigo or is or there's other um or it's other creatures or legends that th these people had um it's a lot it's it melts a lot with those from uh the lumberjack that came that that were here and worked in the woods and stuff like that so we really try to integrate like these legend because yes it's a lot of um it's known for for being a first nation legend uh, as we have a person that is from the first nations in the team so um we will try to integrate that also into the name of the company because here in quebec we have a lot as i said legends that are from the first nation that are melded with ours so we try to integrate like the both 
together into the name of a company because this is something that is important to us to celebrate and see that these these people, the First Nation, they they exist, they are here, and they have a lot uh, of things that they brought to us in the end. Yeah, they there really has been, and I I think that a lot of younger younger Canadians are starting to kind of accept that as as reality and i i hope so i mean i'm i myself i'm metis um though i can't tell you exactly how how far back that goes <laughs> but i i feel that that that's that's a really good way to go about it uh, especially one of the most uh, ferocious and interesting of those legends being the wendigo so you actually being located in quebec is something really interesting that i wanted to talk to you about obviously quebec for not obviously, but for those of you who aren't from Canada or don't really know a whole lot about Canada, uh, we are supposed to be a uh, multi-linguist, I can't remember the word, uh, a francophonic uh, country with languages being both French and English. And obviously, if you guys are wanting to sell Archelon Chronicles, I mean, I was able to read it. I can't speak French. So you've created the English version, but I'm assuming that there's also been a push to make sure that there is a French version that will be released alongside it. Uh, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Um, we started with an English version because it's easier to market. Um, because uh, we are from Quebec and people here speak French. But if we consider like that even in Quebec, there's a lot of people that speak English. Um, we, we really started with an English version to be able to market the project to a larger audience. But we really, really want to push for a French version because um, it's, it's really important here in Quebec to just use French in, in everything. Like I work for Gearbox and there's like a, a paper on the fridge <laughs> from the, the office de la langue française that says Yes, this company uses uh, French, uh, <laughs> French like softwares and stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so it, it's it's a, it's something that is really used here, and it's really important. So it, it's something that we want to develop, like having a French version of the game that we'll try to, as much as we can, release at the same time ish than the English version, uh, but. Uh, surely, since we have a lot of, since we have uh, a small team, um, we have like people that can proofread in French and English. So we really try to like develop both almost at the same time, uh, so we can just like publish it, and people that speak only French can pick it up, and people that speak only English can pick it up too. And well, people can choose which whichever language they prefer the game to be in but that's so important too because i feel that when i go through and i look at a lot of other other games they're english only and that sucks because there is a huge group of people who then have to labor over a book trying to to read it i picked up a a game called simbrum which i didn't realize had uh, an english version at first but it came in swedish and I tried to figure that out, and eventually I contacted the company. They were able to send me an English copy. But just imagining having to do that for every single game that I accidentally buy the wrong version of, 
Uh, it sucked. And that that's basically why we wanna we wanna push the game to be in both languages because we recently went to a small festival that we had here in Quebec. Well, a small that is quite big. But uh, it's still a, a festival that now, since it was online, it also included uh, France and Europe, like French uh, places in Europe. But uh, a lot of things that we had as a commentary, because since we only had the English version that was at the level that we're happy with, uh, is is a lot of question we had is is the game would be in French, uh, like and it's a thing that comes quite often also. Oh, um, that comes quite often, but uh, it's something we want to bring to the table, having it in French, because there's surprisingly a lot of people that are asking it to to be translated. So it's something we definitely want to bring. That makes me really happy for you guys. I'm I'm glad to hear that there is some some interest from a wider audience because I only get to see the the English side really. So um, I've been following Archelon Chronicles for over a month now um and i've loved it and one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was the results of that play test there i know that your kickstarter is coming out soon and i just wanted to hear how you all felt about the the feedback that you received from your kickstarter or your play test well for now what we received as a feedback is is mostly positive i think we didn't have a like bluntly evil review of it um like people seem to 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 enjoy it a lot i think that um i think that the thing that came more as reviews and stuff like that it's more like very minor either adjustments or stuff like that but there's nothing actually for now on at least um nothing extremely major that came from uh the the playtest when we went to the the festival people seemed to really enjoy themselves we had um a young guy of like i think it was 13 years old uh that played and it went very smoothly understood the rules pretty fast so um i think we have something that people seem to enjoy a lot that's yeah that makes me really happy so speaking of young people you and I, when we were talking, we've we've talked a lot over the past month. I've probably talked to you more than basically anybody uh, outside of my direct family and partner. You mentioned to me that you have at least uh, have run run some games for a small group of young people for the past little while. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with them? Yeah, we um, one of our like the the editor of the game um works as a social worker and um while we were developing the game uh i think we started to be a little bit more like um full time on it um she was working um at gris quebec which is a place where young lgbt people can meet up and speak about their problems or just like make friends and stuff like that and she came to me and said what about we bring the game there and and see what happened so i said i mean we can try we can see i mean there's i don't have a problem with that 
So she just went there and brought the game. People were a little bit interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons at at first. So she said, "Yeah, why not? I mean, people were interested in Dungeons and Dragons, so we can try." And since like for two years, they've been running games uh, between themselves and and also not at the place actually they were like they picked up the the small like demo book that we have and just brought them home and they started to do even games between themselves not even at at the the gris so we are pretty happy about that because those people that didn't really have friends before and were pretty shy to speak to each other so it really started as a random thought that we had but it it became quite big in the end because now we are sharing with them like the the full version of the game like in some sort of, of alpha version and they seem to really enjoy it that we just randomly brought it to them and they they now can play it and they're really they seem really happy about it i think that is super super special because even if this game doesn't sell as well as you want it to you have already affected the lives of some people in a tremendously positive way. So I, I just want to give you the utmost congratulations for that. That is incredible to hear. Yeah, I mean, for us, even though, I mean, we do it because we like it. We we do the game. We create the game because we enjoy it. And we love what we do. So in the end, the real thing that we want is is people to enjoy enjoy the game. So. Even though we, if we sell a hundred copy or if we sell a million copy, I mean, if people like it, that's that's what matters. Well, I'll definitely be joining in on the Kickstarter and buying this game when it comes out on full release. One of the things that I also wanted to mention uh, and talk about a little bit, because we go over this with all of them, uh, COVID has been huge. How has the the virus affected the development of Arkland Chronicles, did it affect it at all? Did it slow it down? Did it speed it up? Well, the the thing about COVID is that at first it didn't really do anything. Uh, we we just continued to work on the game. It was everything was normal, and then it started. Like the COVID started for real, and that's when everything went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything was fine, and we were supposed to have like uh, the Kickstarter last year, actually, um, uh, the same day. But uh, with with the COVID that started to slowly be a part of the world, we just said, okay, no, we we won't do this this year. Um, but then after that, it continued <laughs> to to increase, and it continued to be bad. And uh, our artist, like the, the main artist for the characters, lives in Italy. Yes. Um, so when it really started for real, uh, Italy was a pretty bad place to be in, and it's, yes, it's it still a bad it's still a bad place to be in, to to be in, honestly. Um, and for for him, it was really depressing and really really bad. So uh, a thing that happened as a result of the COVID is that um, 
like the, his his work was a little more uh, a little slower because I mean uh, back there it was really bad so we didn't want it to like push him oh yeah work and I don't care about you <laughs> um, yeah. so uh, we just said yeah but take care of yourself and just I mean it's it's a bad place to be in everything is bad so uh, we we don't want to release a game that is. Uh, coming from the the sweat and despair of our artists, we we really want to like release a game that that people enjoy and that people that worked on it enjoyed too. Because uh, this is something that is also important to us that people that work on the game, they either the artists or writers or anything, they're not just like crying in their sleep because we are pushing <laughs> them to their limits. It, it's something that happens in video games that we really don't want to happen like for this game so um we we really want like if since it's bad if it's since it's, it's a bad place to be in right now it's sure that it's set back a little bit of it of the project like either the art or writing or stuff like that but we don't want to release a game that comes from the despair of people uh because in the end in the end like people will know people people always know and and we don't want to be associated with a game that that has this reputation of like exploiting people until they they're like exhausted to the the end of the world we just we want to make a game for fun and for people to have fun and that's something that drives us more than selling stuff and uh, pushing it to be released as fast as we can developer game crunch is definitely a, a huge topic uh, around the world with all sorts of different developers at the moment so you definitely want to not be doing that to your your artist or any of your writers yeah, no, that's not a thing we want. It's really, really far away from something we want. <laughs> so, uh, we don't got a whole lot of time left, Jonathan, but one of the things I wanted to make sure to ask you, I'm going to ask this to everybody on the show. You and uh, your team have worked really hard, and there are people out there who are looking to start somewhere. They've got no experience uh, developing a game at all. Where would you suggest that they, they make sure that they don't... Uh, what would you suggest that they start with? Where do you think that they should start? Or what is some advice you can give the people out there listening to this who really want to start creating something? I think that um, the the real... The real thing about creating stuff is the first find something you like because if you create a game or anything really that you hate it's really difficult to get into it because the, the brain is will just say oh no i hate this and it's gonna be crap but um another thing is start small like, don't say, oh, yeah, I have no experience and I'm going to make a, this huge, gigantic game and it's going to be the next Dungeon of the Dragons and I'm going to break the internet. Like, start small. Like, you know a thing. Like, for example, if you play Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons or Shadowrun or whatever, 
start small, say, okay, I play this. What can I make for this game that doesn't already exist? And just like start like small things like, okay, I created a new spell for Pathfinder. Or, oh, I created a new race for Pathfinder, or I created this new class for Dungeons and Dragons, and like just start with small little things that you like, and then if if you want to delve into the world of like creating a whole new game, I mean it's it's hard to reinvent the wheel of games, whether it's computer games or or console games or tabletop games. I mean, so many people did already stuff that you have to tell yourself, okay, it looks, people will say it looks like insert name of the game here, but at the same time, you can make a game special to you and to the people that plays it by just loving it and saying, okay, what can I do so this game is not like, Dungeons and Dragons, but with the skin. I love that. That's that's incredible advice. So, uh, final question, Jonathan. Where can people find more out? Find out more about Arkland Chronicles and uh, the upcoming Kickstarter. Well, we have a website. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and Discord. So we are basically everywhere. <laughs> so whenever people want to know more or speak to us or everything, we have like uh we have a foot in like every social medias. Um so it's easy to communicate with us, check more about the game. Uh the website has some of um like some more lore stuff with uh pictures of the races that are coming out and we are putting it there um we also have a link to the kickstarter page and the um, the latest version on the website so if people want to check it out uh it's there and we are posting like some little blog articles too on the website to um explain more about some little parts of the development or just uh, about the the game in general too so if people are interested they can just go on the website and check out mostly everything all right yes people go go find their socials they are everybody on this team is so welcoming and incredibly sweet and i've i've loved this little community that i've found jonathan thank you so much for coming on the show i'm going to post all of Arkalon Chronicles social in the description down below this. Jonathan and Arkalon Chronicles are scheduled to launch very soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Jonathan, thank you again. Have a good night. Have a good night too, and thanks to you. Thank you again to Jonathan for coming out of the show this week and thank you for listening. Really enjoyed talking with him and I'm actually very truly excited for this Kickstarter to begin. If you like the show and you want to hear more, make sure you tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to grow the show and let me know what you want to hear more about. 
I'm also always looking for more people to come onto the show. So if you or someone you know is working on something you think is interesting or cool, send them to one of the links down below so that they can get a hold of me. Maybe we can talk about it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again on April 6th.